from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cryhavoc Company. Welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast, a discussion between the actors, directors, and writers who make up the Cry Havoc Company. Today at the table we have Jenny Curlin, I'm an actor. Tim Davis, I'm an actor and a writer. Carrie Flanagan, I'm an actor. Jennifer Kerfman, I'm an actor and a director. Kit Lavoy, I'm a director and a playwright. Today our topic is character history and the way in which that can be a very useful tool for an actor to use to investigate their character and to investigate the way that their character uh, fits into a play. Uh, The idea of of character history is to figure out, obviously, what happened to these people before we met them. Uh, We, in a play, see two to three hours in the lives of a group of people. And these are people who have had thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours in their lives that predate that. And just like we have in our lives, what has happened in those hours of their lives before we meet them uh, has a tremendous impact on what they do uh, during the action of the play and the filter through which they see the actions of the other characters in the play. and I'm going to tell a, a very brief story before we start about kind of the, a time that I, I uh, the time really that I realized how critically important a tool uh, character history can be. Um, I actually was the first project I worked on with Jenny, who's sitting here, where we were doing Romeo and Juliet, and she was the stage manager. Long part of a story that perhaps will become part of another episode someday. Um, the actor, male actor who was playing Romeo, ended up getting desperately ill and had to leave the production. And Jenny stepped in for rehearsals, and there was something that was so compelling about the two women as Romeo and Juliet that we just decided to do it and throw caution to the wind. And it was a a very interesting experience, perhaps a topic for another time. But the critical thing was that we had literally three days to get Jenny ready to play this major role of Romeo and Romeo and Juliet. And one of the ways that we did it was that I set up an improv for her and the and the uh, actress playing Juliet, wherein they were put in a situation where they ended up sharing an awful lot about their life history together, just to kind of give Jenny background about uh, her character and give her a chance to figure out where her Romeo was coming from. And that would seem very useful, and I thought, okay, good, we can put that to bed. And the next day, we were working on the balcony scene, and it was going a little rocky, it was all right, um, but, you know, I mean, we were trying to do this in a very short amount of time, and all of a sudden, we went to run it, and she just clicked in, and it was really astonishing to watch them working together. I pulled Jenny aside, I said, what happened? What were you doing? And she said, no, it's silly, it's silly. I said, no, what were you, what, what happened? She said, well... Nothing. I just looked at her, and I realized how much she reminded me of Julie. Now, who is Julie? Julie was Romeo's best friend when she was eight that Jenny had made up the night before. And there was just something about the fact that that really is, in life, why we connect to people and on the, immediately. Perhaps why Romeo would have immediately wanted to know more about this Juliet, because this Juliet reminded her of someone who 
she already loved and already cared for and already had important feelings about. And ever since then, I mean, it was always something I thought was important to have in your tool bag. But ever since then, it's something that I really have, have come to think of as being one of the most important tools that an actor can have. So, with that said, uh, about <laughs> how it can be important, uh, how do you guys, because I, I think everyone here at the table is an actor, so some, some of us are hyphenates as well, but uh, everyone here is an actor. What do you do uh, in going about creating a character history for yourself? Uh, the first thing I do is, is I take the script and I go through every given circumstance that, that the playwright has given me. Um, every piece of, of, of information about uh, relationships, uh, occupation, uh, uh, choices I've made, references to places I've been or things I've done. Um, and then I just start asking questions. And uh, I leave a, a lot of questions. Um, and, and I'll actually develop several options, several potential answers to those questions. And then I may answer them, I may not, but what I initially try to do is get a nice uh, flooring. Uh, the word I use a lot is, the term I use a lot is, what, what I want is a nice lake of information. Because I don't know when something will become important. But, uh, and in, in some cases, information I've come up with is, is never important other than just allowing me to, whenever I walk on stage in, or in a rehearsal room, feel like I just have solid footing and have an understanding of, of, of the character I am for those two hours or three hours um, and how I function. Uh, that's how I develop the histories. I, I go through an issue with all the given circumstances of the play and just sort of branch off all of them and just continue to ask questions, some of which I answer, some of which I don't. There's something that's really interesting, actually, that you said about you know the lake of information because you don't know when you're going to use it. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's very little that is more interesting to see on stage than to see a character surprise themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of times people will sit down and map out exactly what is going to happen uh, to their character in the scene. But when you can discover in rehearsal, and I think that Romeo and Juliet example we were just talking about was an example where, Jenny, it surprised you yeah. that you saw that in that person. And that really, I, I think, is one of the most interesting things to see happen on mm -hmm. stage. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, yeah, I think just branching off what Tim said, I approach it in the same way. I start with the text and uh, all the given circumstances and... Uh, historical context, actual geographical context, real basic kind of skeleton stuff, and then um, I don't. Th I think the big and most important thing when you are first developing a character, when I am, is to not edit any thought or image that comes through your mind, and um, just let it all come and flow in and out. And again, later on, you might find out what's important. I also like to experiment with um, early on with. Finding out where in the text uh, the character might be lying, other people might be lying, um, and just see what images that brings up, and because uh, that ends up being interesting 95% of the time down the line. So that's really interesting to me because I, I actually look for when I'm telling the truth and in which ways I'm telling the truth. Yeah. Um, uh, but but I I always kind of think of the the character history. I feel like, as Tim said, you're stepping into this character that you're going to be for this number of hours. And I, I, f I feel like I'm stepping into that person's real life. And they have this whole life and history that I don't share. And so I kind of make it my business to go through. And I, I'm, I'm very detail-oriented about it. Um, 
kind of pouring through the script, finding the finding the words that seem significant to this character. Why why is it that this person uses this way of describing something, or or a, a person they know, a place they've been, things that are named, like like you were saying earlier? But but I think that it's really important to me to figure out what things I can find about that history of the character that I can relate to or connect to in some way. Um, intellectually, emotionally, whatever whatever kind of stands out to me. But I think it's really important to um, build all of that, as you put it, a lake of information, build all of that so that as I'm standing in the shoes of that character, I, I have... Um, kind of found a way to share my access, share my history to whatever might might have been laid out for that mm-hmm. other person's and life. I, I feel like I kind of do a combination of all of that, but I feel like where I start is I read the script and there's inevitably something that will hit me. Either it's a moment between uh, my character and her brother. I mean, it, it could be anything really. It could be an event. It could be a line that speaks to me. It's like, that's interesting. Why do I say that? And then I feel like I branch out from that moment and kind of create the world from there. But I feel like I, for me, I need to find that specific thing in the text that, yeah, Yeah. that, that hits me, that strikes me. And then that kind of gets me into the world. I think something that is really useful with character history uh, goes back to something that an acting teacher said once in passing. And it is stuck with me as being something that's, that's, that's so important is that the mistake that people so often make is they look at what happens in the play and say, what would I do in that situation? Where the real question is, what would the situation have to be in order for me to do what the character does? That there are, it's it's so important, I think, to go through the script and identify what do you know about your character? What are the things that we know? But then to do the flip of that and say, what don't we know? Because very often the most interesting and powerful uh, performances and characterizations are based in those mo- uh, those things that are never explained, are based in those things that that is a secret that the character has about the real reason that they are doing all of this, even if it never comes out. Um, and the trick of that is that the reasons that quote unquote come out in the play will be the reasons that the audience understands. You're not undermining the playwright by coming up with your own reasons, but if you can find the reasons that really strike home with you and really move you in a way that you have to do the play. You have to do what the character does. That it's something that I say when I'm directing a lot to actors, I think, is that it's not enough to look at the play and understand why the character does what they do. You have to come up with a constellation of events and history and things that they know that make you really believe in what they do. That make you think if all of this stuff that I've decided is true is true, I would do what they did. The person, you know, what is it that you have to figure out um, about Medea to understand what she does? I can guarantee you can come up with a set of circumstances that if they surrounded, if they surrounded you, you would do what she did. Well, and I feel like nine times out of ten, the audience won't know what you're working with or know all the stuff that you've brought to the table. But I feel like the audience will be able to tell that something's going on, mm-hmm. and your performance will be more layered and more interesting to watch than someone who's just coming out and saying the words and hasn't really thought about everything right. in their past. The, for me, and this I, I don't know if this applies to anyone else at the table, for me, the second half of working on that character history then is when I 
when I start having developed ideas about information from, from my character's past is I need, I need to go to work on a lot of those um, myself. Uh, my homework a lot is um, I, I utilize a lot of sensory work. Uh, I, I utilize... Um, and by uh, sensory work? Um, basically, actually I'm not quite sure to define sensory work. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I studied at the Actors Studio with, with uh, some amazing instructors and was very lucky to do a lot of work. Um, um, that, that I was given tools that are useful to me. One of the things that, I, I'll explain it this way I guess, one of the things that always concerns me um, is when an actor gets up uh, uh, and is talking about what they were working with or working on, what they'll say is, well you know when I was thinking about this, well, th that's great, and I think it's you know actors should think just like people should. Think. <laughs> but usually, the the extent of their own work on uh, that particular aspect of a character doesn't go beyond thinking about it, um, and they haven't done uh, a lot of work necessarily on what the full visceral sensory experience of that given part of the history may be. I'm currently working on at the studio, Fool for Love. Um, and uh, the character I'm playing, Eddie, is a a, uh, 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 a stuntman and was a uh, uh, a rodeo uh, pro. He was a you know he rides horses, and it's said in the play that he you know he's, he's banged up. He has several injuries. Well, th that's nice and it's, that's great information right there. And I don't, but I don't think it's it's enough to simply go. Oh, he's got some injuries, so he's probably pretty banged up. So I'll let me manifest some general sense of being sore sort of kind of throughout my entire body and I guess maybe I'll walk with a little bit of a limp. Um, there we go. I don't, I, <laughs> no. you know, I, I don't think that's real that, I, that's not real satisfactory to me and I think it will come across to an audience as general because it's still general to me. So part of the usefulness of developing a, a specific character history and why I go to the sensory aspects of it is because then it's really in your body and it's really in your you know in you, uh, and one of the reasons I said earlier that I I don't know where these things will come up. I, I like that. I like it just being sort of in, ingested in in my system. So when I was working on Eddie, I came up with very specific injuries and how they occurred and how that felt. I've, you know, in in my hand, in my foot, in my hip, in my shoulders, and would spend you know uh, <laughs> a couple hours in my apartment by myself because I didn't want to waste my scene partner's time, but playing with those those physical injuries and uh, um, once then we got into a rehearsal and I decided the physical injuries weren't enough I wasn't hurt enough mm -hmm. so then I gave my character a hangover mm -hmm. uh, because there's a vulnerability that I needed and when I was talking about this with, with another actor somebody asked me okay well, then is the character an alcoholic I'm like I don't know I don't know. I know I have a hangover right now, and it's working. Yeah. Um, and there are also, in terms of the injuries, that I, I think it also uh, could be very useful to look not only at how the injuries happen and how they're manifesting themselves today, but if they do become an important part of your characterization, how have they affected the rest of his life? What things did he used to be able to do he can't anymore? Mm -hmm. You know, how have they affected his what sex life? How I mean, you know, that these are very, you know, right. very real things... That, that I think would be very useful. The moment where it's, oh, my knee's banged up. Most people, when they're upset their knee's banged up, aren't so much upset that their knee hurts as that they can't ski with mm -hmm. their favorite niece anymore and right. they had to sit at the foot of the hill and watch right. the niece skiing and not be with her. I mean, right. that's what it means to them. 
And I feel like the great thing about doing all of this character history is it's all going to be there for you. You can literally, you've created this huge world, you've done your work, you can literally just go onto the stage and do what you need to do, get what you need from the other person, and all of that stuff will just be there. I think... If you've done, I mean, if you've done the work that you feel... That's absolutely true, and I think one of the reasons it's so important to have just as broad a firmament, I like the word constellation or, or lake or you know flooring, wh- whatever that word is, it's nice to have it as broad as possible because then I feel... The word I used the other day, I was oddly enough watching Iron Man, and I was paying <laughs> tribute to, to Robert Downey Jr. The word I kept using was he was so facile. There was such a great facility that you felt he was capable of anything. And I think as, a, as, a, as an actor, if your character history is, is as broad as possible and as deep as possible and is as experienced as possible, that you've whatever your form of homework is, that you've really worked through a lot of these things... Um, you then have great potential in in rehearsal and then in performance. You're, you become capable of anything. Um, I think when you make decisions about your character history and they're limited mm-hmm. um, or they're not real well well developed, in, in a weird way, character history can, if, if not done well, can almost can really limit you. Because and I've seen this. You'll you'll see actors who can't veer from a very narrow path that they've designed for themselves mm-hmm. because they've decided they've decided character history is important but they have not invested fully in that character. And I think life. a lot of that has to I mean ultimately you do as an actor have to make very specific choices about what individual things are about. But mm-hmm. I think the mistake that people often make with the character history is they start with the result they're going for. Mm-hmm. You know, is they start with well this is what I want to get out of this moment and therefore what could have happened that would make <laughs> me do that. But I think the value of really doing kind of you know that idea of that deep lake of information you know as you're going to sleep at night be thinking about your character mm-hmm. and odd things about mm-hmm. them things that you don't necessarily think will matter because ultimately what it's about is finding thousands of people uh, pieces of information about this person so you can find that one thing mm-hmm. that totally makes the scene make sense to you because it will never ever ever be the thing you thought it was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the the, the, the other aspect of character history I think is really important is that when you're developing this history, you're looking for things that will help you tell the story that's on the page, mm-hmm. um, that will activate your, your character, will activate the scene, will activate the story. Um, I was doing a play several years ago, uh, and one of the other actors was playing a character who was an angel. I was a saint um, who became an angel. I wasn't clear, but anyway, she, <laughs> she did. She it wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't my was um, Well, she had done an extraordinary amount of of research and homework on this this uh, uh, real person, uh, this angel or this this saint in in uh, w- was an actual person apparently, um, uh, at least historically. So she had done all of this work on this character's history and learning things about them, and then. We spent untold hours on the last scene with her arguing with the director and the playwright saying, you know, the real blah, blah, whatever the character's name, saint, whatever, would never do that. And so what we wound up having was an, an incredible battle between the character history this actor had developed and what their understanding of what this character was and, and the battle between who the character was on the page. And, and, and I dare say that most of the time you're, you're going to be Unless you, you you have a writing credit, you're you're going to be much better off trying to find things in that character history that will activate the character in the play rather than doing service to to 
the character you've developed on your own? Well, it's uh, just uh, jumping off that, I did a, a play a few years ago. It, it, I find it's a very useful tool when you have hit a bump as an actor and you can't, you, you're struggling so hard to get that job done, to get the job of telling the story done. And uh, I was doing this play with this um, girl, and based, long story short, she got a, she had a line that she was struggling with because it was very poetic, it was very metaphorical, and she had str- a lot of time struggling connecting with this line and, and making it genuine in any way, shape, or form. And uh, what we ended up discovering is that we improv a moment, a moment that had nothing to do with the play, like we just were having conversation in character, and I was like, we had this realization that I was like, that, that's, what's, that's what we can, that's what's happening here. You, I've said this to you before. You are making fun of me right now. I love when that happens. You are, you are making fun of me right now. Not only did that, not only did that completely help her connect to the moment and have her give her something very specific to be doing and get the language out, but also it created a history. The audience might not know exactly what we're remembering, but they're seeing connection between characters, and that is one of my favorite things to discover with, and favorite, um, you know, why this is such a useful tool, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, a, a, a couple other thoughts uh, while we're talking about the how we develop the history, because I think we're actually getting moving into how we use it. Um, because there are kind of two other ways um, that you can develop uh, a, a history that can serve to develop a history. Um, one is that, um, you know, that there can be sort of, I certainly have come up with and always share it with actors when I'm working with, sort of just pages of questions that can apply to any person in the world. And, you know, and they tell people they can use it or they cannot. But that there's a lot of interesting things to, to ask about any character. What book have they reread most often? <laughs> you know, if it's a modern play, and even if it's not, what is their email sign-on name and their password? I mean, you know, there are things that are that specific that, you know, is that ever going to come up in the play? No. But you know what? I think if you think it's about what your email sign-on name and your password is, it actually says an awful lot about mm-hmm. you. You know, and then to also ask the questions about, like, at what what moment in their life did they feel that they most disappointed their parents? I mean, every character has that, and it may not come up in the play, but to ask yourself that question and just to put together a list of questions for yourself that could apply to absolutely anyone, and rather than trying to say, oh, well, what will be the most useful answer to this play? Come up with answers that feel meaningful to you. You know, that make the character important to you and make the things that they want important to you because that's ultimately your job as an actor. And then jump in the world of the play and see what happens when this person and these things they want are important to you are real. And the other uh, thing is something that, that I use less, but I know a couple people who have these and I, I find them so interesting, is something more hypothesis-based, which is that there's one person in particular I know who has done something in their life I don't know exactly what it is, except he shared with me that something exists, that he's incredibly ashamed of, that he did to someone once 15 years ago. And before he gets up and works in a play, he needs to figure out what person his character did that to, whether there's someone in the play or someone else in the world, but it's something that makes that character's world very real to him because it's something that he knows that he has an automatic, dead-on connection to. And if he can find a place for that fact somewhere in the constellation of events of this person's life, that it, that it will just take root. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and not everyone has something like that. Um, and, and it's not something necessarily everyone should use, but I know at, at least two or three people who do it, and one person who swears by it and who is a tremendous actor. So I think there's got to be something to it. Mm. 
what about actually? Because we've been talking pretty much about uh, an individual character. Uh, how do you develop a a history? And perhaps we can even move into a bit of, of how do you use it, uh, but with a with between characters. The, okay, this is where I kind of stick with what we've been talking about, and sometimes branch off and disagree. But um, uh, in regards to that play that I did before, we improved a lot of moments. We did a lot of improvisa- improvisation. I find that is very helpful when you're trying to develop a relationship with the other human being on stage with you. You're trying to connect. You're trying to connect with each other's things that turn each other on, either you as actors or you as characters. Where I've been in situations where I don't find it helpful is when we're improvising moments that directly relate to the action of the play. Mm. Because I just... I just... I've been in situations where... You're doing a scene, and last no- or four years ago, these siblings experienced this thing. So we were going to improvise that moment. To me, it, 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 then we rehearsed five minutes later, and all that left me with was this great feeling that me and the other actor were way too on the same page. Does that make any? Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Like we completely had the the, the memory was very recent versus it being a four-year-old mm-hmm. memory, which would have dissolved on some levels, changed. We morphed into different, you know. Ideas of what actually happened, and both of you would think, presumably, that you were more right exactly. four years out right. than you might have if you actually remembered accurately what had happened. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And uh, and and it, it diffuses the tension to me. It diffuses the the. You actually have to stop. In my opinion, you don't have to do your job. You don't have to stand and listen and talk and really react to what's happening because you know exactly. You, you just did it five <laughs> minutes ago. So that is something that absolutely doesn't work for me. Yeah. I just feel like it. I think you're talking about, um, you're, you're giving a specific example of um, sort of a, an improvisational exploration Situation of history. To, to create shared history. But, but I, I find that talking as, you know, as professional to professional and, and sort of making some choices as actors, you know, even just in a conversation or, mm-hmm. or sort of spending some time privately together is one of the most useful things that I have been able to do in terms of building a history. I think it goes back to your first story about having discovered, oh, this is something I said to you. I think that being able to sit down and make a few choices, sometimes based on the logic of the play mm-hmm. or um, it actually often based on the logic of the play, but being able to feel like you and the other actor, you're your partner in, in in crime, as it were, um, are able to share intellectually and 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 then through maybe through improvisation also sort of building a, a memory. Um, but to be able to share with the other person you're working with, and you are building um, not only trust, but you're also giving yourself those moments where I don't know why I say this thing to you, or I don't know which one of these things you're going to say to me is, go- is going to cause me the most pain or the most rage or the most joy or whatever it is that happens. But being on the same page with the other actor on stage gives me a chance to jump into the fray and just play, yeah. just go with it There's together. A, a, a project you and I worked together a, a while ago um, that the the story of it was about i mean the, your part of the story at least was about this couple whose relationship was fraying and spinning off uh, actually we've worked on a number of of projects like that <laughs> but um um but that one of the things that you know i know that some people had seen it and said that on the page 
they, she, they didn't think that they would necessarily care about this couple and whether they ended up together. But a lot of the work that we did together was, one, finding a shared history of this couple. But I think some of the stuff that was most important was part of that history was talking about the things that they had planned. And so that there was this real sense from both of you as you were having this fight and seeing your relationship spinning out that there were these plans that you had together that can never happen now if you lose each other. Oh, yeah. And it was it was really heartbreaking, really specific. And there's something that I find so wonderful on stage when you see something happen between two actors and you don't know exactly what it was. But you know that it was it there and you know that it was real and you know that it meant something to them. Again, it's about, A, as an audience member, it makes you want to know what's happening between them. But also there's something about sometimes to make to make a couple for instance seem really connected you need to make the audience feel a little left out mm. oh, and the only yeah. way you can do that is by having a secret that that you well, know, and, in, in working on that particular project that was the first question we both asked in rehearsal just why are these two people together yeah I totally agree, and I think I've just clarified my thought a little more. I think my, my where I come up against it is when there's a pivotal event that is the crux of the play. Like, oh, your child died, your parents divorced. And the know, plot of the, the play, you mean? The plot of the play. And that is the moment that is improvised, because sometimes I find that like that probably is the event that hasn't really been talked about, which leads to the big conflict of the play. Is this mm-hmm. is my, the first time they're ever talking about this thing, yeah. and though that's the improv I'm talking about, when, when you, because I, that's what I mean by getting two on the same page. Is because if you take me and my brother in the room right now and ask about our parents' divorce, you're gonna have two totally different stories, to, of the same event, and just watching us play that out would be that's interesting to me. Versus not improv is improv improvising actual relationship mm-hmm. and events and plans and expectations and things like that. That's very useful, I think. And I actually think, and I don't know if I've ever totally done this myself, although now I kind of wish that I could, but um, you, you hear a lot about shared history, um, <laughs> shared history between like the two main people or who, whoever you're dealing with the most on stage. But using Romeo as, as an example, you know, obviously there's a shared history between Romeo and Mercutio, but what is the history also between Romeo and Balthazar? And create, even like with the seemingly, you know, smaller characters or whatever, to have a shared history with everyone in the play, even if you're not on the same, you know, stage with them at the same time or whatnot, it's going to come and, I mean, it's going to flower everything. And I, I mean, I don't know exactly what that would do to the performance, but it's got to do something that's interesting. I... I practice a little bit of artistic judo when I when I'm working with with someone else. In that, you know, I, I, I'm pretty I, I'm pretty flexible in in terms of, of whatever another actor wants to uh, improv improvise on or or decisions they've made. Because I know secretly, a I'm always up for an improv, but but, but secretly, you know, if if they've made a decision with which doesn't work for me. I'll, I mean, this is terrible to say, but I'll simply <laughs> nod and, and not make the same decision because there's something about having secrets as the actors. And, it, uh, you know, the, I, I don't necessarily think that w- in terms of sharing a history, that mean, that needs to mean that it, the actors have an understanding that it's the same history. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do a lot of, of my work on that history uh, alone and will really only involve the other actor 
um, if I feel that um, there's an, an issue that just absolutely needs to be addressed because it's crucial to the action of the mm-hmm. play, as in, you know, if we're if we're in rehearsal, okay, where is the window in this room? You know, we need to agree on that before we go. Or uh, in, in the case of Fool for Love, uh, you know, w- one of the issues I was having was it, it opens with Eddie, uh, uh, my character, talking uh, to 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 May about uh, her ignoring him and her sitting on the bed and not uh, engaging him at all, and. Uh, it's clear from the circumstances he's been there for a while, but it also at one point he says uh, to to her, you know, how long have you been sitting here? Um, but they've the, the the scene takes place in her hotel room after she's left him. So I, I had all sorts of questions then about how I found her. How would I not know how long she's been sitting there? How long is this? The the nature of that exchange of what I was saying, the given circumstances didn't make sense. So I needed to do an improv in that prior moment with her um, to figure out how the play opened. Um, I only came to that and asked her to do that because I, I couldn't answer the question. And all the work I was doing on my own, both text work, script work, and uh, you know any type of sensory work or physical work, wasn't getting the job done. Um, but typically, I... I'm I'm pretty uh, uh, content to let the other actor make whatever decisions they want, and I'll you know I'll I'll harbor them or, or toss them as 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 I need. Um, well, I I was I was thinking yeah I mean I, I agree with you because one of the one of the big things that comes up is yeah you don't have to have made the same decisions as, as your partner, but I think it kind of comes back to something Carrie said, which is about trusting and being able to work opposite this person on stage with you. And I think it, it brings up sort of an interesting spin on history, relationship history, when you're talking about um, two people as opposed to the work that you're doing, your own homework. Mm-hmm. Because part of it is to be able to, to jump in and, and participate in the action of the play with this other person. There does need to be some kind of shared history, even if it's not shared plot history or textual history or even logical history, but there has to be some some sort of some sort of relationship that gets built. And and so I, I, I guess I'd kinda throw it out as a question really. Well, well no, it's sorry, I'm sorry. But a basic factual stuff, we have four brothers. One you know, like yeah, right, right. That being said, I'll have to tell you this improv I saw once that has always fascinated me. I it always sticks with me. It was uh, at one of our teachers' classes at the actor studio, and he had the two uh, actors go work on a, their complete history separately. And then when they came into class, he said, "I don't care what happens up here. You stick with your story, your side of the story." So that it was, you know, <laughs> it was, and they, it, so it was really, really interesting to watch because when it, when it became really interesting was when they started to talk about when they first started dating, and he had them dating for like three months, and she had them together for a year. <laughs> But watching them hold to that story, uh-huh. I've seen that conversation with married couple friends of mine. <laughs> they don't remember their first date, and then this one swears it's this, this one swears it's that. That was fascinating. I, I struggle with the same question, though, like how much basic facts, like, you know, I'm, my yeah, and I think sometimes dated, you know, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think it can be really... It's amazing what specific facts can do for you in the right circumstances. Yeah. And one, one example, I, I don't know if you guys know the play uh, Sunday on the Rocks. Um, which uh, Teresa Rebeck play 
and basically it's these four women who live in a house together and one of them is kind of the leader of the one of them owns the house or whatever that's something like that is in charge of the house and the other three can't stand her and then there's one one of the one who's sort of the ringleader of the other three and there's something that we really wanted to avoid in doing it where it was just these two people who hated each other and had nothing in common and so you know, I was very concerned about that. We were sitting around doing characters, we talking through some of these questions. We actually had a fairly long rehearsal process for that, so we kind of talked, you know, had time to, to really talk through about a lot of these sort of random questions um, about people's lives. And what we discovered was that there is, that is that they had the exact same taste in music and were pretty passionate about it. That on their own, the two characters had, the two actors had decided this thing about their character. Which then allowed us to have sort of this world that there was this thing when they first moved in that they bonded about, which sort of gave a very interesting background to to the and we thought that was interesting enough. There's a very interesting background to the um, to their relationship. But then again, the bonuses of things like that is there's a moment in the play where one of them puts on the Temptations and the other one comes off and takes it off and puts on something else and says, "I hate the Temptations." That that's what she she puts on the stereo. Now the first time that happened in rehearsal, where these two had that shared history of, in fact, they both loved the Temptations. That was something they'd come up with independently. The electricity of that moment, where it wasn't just about oh, I'm, I'm not letting you listen to what you want, but that it is it was about betraying the one thing they had in common. It was an extraordinary moment, and I think that that's a lot of what character history can do, is to make what seems like a benign moment into something incredibly dramatic. And I think for the audience watching it, they had no idea exactly what was going on there, but they knew that there was something very real happening between us. And it charges the rest of the mm-hmm. relationship. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yes. You know, I, I think um, generally on, on the topic of character history, it's one of those things I think that you use, you use when it's appropriate. You use when you need it. You use when it's going to be helpful. Um, I know that there's a lot of teachers that I've had when I've had teachers who, who talk about you know, that you put things in your toolbox. And your toolbox are things that you pull out and you use um, when you need them. And they said that every once in a while, a role will come along where you don't need it, where it just presents itself to you. And it's interesting because I think a lot of, when you say that to a lot of early beginning actors, they say, oh yeah, almost every role is like that. It's like, well, then you're probably not looking at it carefully enough. Because I think it is pretty rare that a role just presents itself fully formed to you. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of ways in which if you do good character history work, you can turn almost any role into that. You can turn almost any role into something that you don't need to do a lot of quote-unquote act- acting because you found ways in which because of the way that this person's life has worked and the ways that you connect to it, um, that you, can, you just really believe in what they're doing. And it's you. It's it's coming from inside you. And I know one uh, one example for myself, and it's a role I can never play. Uh, but I actually directed you, Carrie, in it. And uh, is is in Romeo and Juliet, Lady Cap- uh, Capulet, who's very often portrayed, and it can very you know be this side character. You know, you talk to actors about well, what what's her deal? Well, she's weak and she can't stand up to her husband, and that's what's going on, and that's why she supports Juliet marrying Paris, and something that. When I look at it, and this isn't to say that it's what the character is, but if I were to play it, the things, the facts that are in it that really strike me 
is that one, we know that Tybalt is a family member of hers who's come from elsewhere, which means she's from elsewhere. And we know she talks about the fact that she was already married and had a child when she was Juliet's age. And so you do the, those two facts are true, and you kind of can then fill in the spaces of what don't you know. And that there's something about the idea to me that what's going on and the reason that she wants Juliet to, to, to marry Paris and do what her father says is because she knows when she was 14 years old, she was packed up and sent away and never saw her family again. And the thing Paris has going for him is he lives in town. And she doesn't want her daughter to go away and be that lonely and not see her anymore. And there's something just about that that, as I say, there's something about that that moves me so much. And it's just me. It's just me. It's the thing <laughs> that affects me about that role. But I feel like if I, if I was playing that role and built that character history for myself, I would have no problem navigating that role based on, just based on the history that I came up, because it feels so important to me to make this work. And that, again, is not at all to say that the person playing Lady Capulet needs to find that history, mm -hmm. but they need to find a history that moves them as much mm -hmm. and makes what Lady Capulet does as important to them as that history would, would make it to me. It's interesting. I'd, I'd like to go back real quick to something you were saying about the toolbox of using it, because I think, like, as you say, that's the, that's what moves you about it, and Carrie was the one doing the role in this, you know, in this particular instance, and found her own her own set of things that that moved her. And I think sometimes you you do find that sort of magical character where you you don't have to do quite as much homework to connect to it. And I think that the um, the really interesting thing to me about about it is you do look at those roles, you look at those moments, and and especially the things where you're stuck. And you say, okay, why is this important? And one of the big things that comes up for me in terms of history is giving myself a justification for my, the actions of my character and never, ever judging that character. And I think you, you brought it up by saying, okay, everybody thinks Lady Capulet is this, you know, whatever set of, of, of adjectives you used, but um, but to be able to say, no, Lady Capulet has, the, her, she is grounded in this most important need, and to be able to look at that and, and, and kind of uncover it, and especially if you're stuck, to be able to say, okay, well, clearly she needs something here. Mm -hmm. Why is Paris so important to her? Yeah. And I would take actually what you said and take it one step further, that I think it's more than just don't judge your character. I think judge them, but judge them to be good. Find the thing in the world, find the facts in the world that makes you be able to look at what they do and say, yes, that is the right thing for them to do, given what they know, given what they believe. And actually, if you, if you set it up as, those are the facts of the world as far as you know. I also find, too, at the end of that, <laughs> that um, the more detailed and, and varied you can come up with uh, a history, um, your past dictates expectations you have about the future, and that and expectations dictate behavior. So if you see something playing out a very specific way and it just doesn't, then that is going to affect your behavior and how you, what actions you choose to take. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. That's really important. I think a good place to wrap up. Uh, so thank you, everyone, Jenny and Tim and Kerry and Jen. Uh, we will be back soon with more discussions, and we'll talk to you soon.
Company at cryhavocompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavocompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe.